The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. Hey, everybody. We just wanted to give you a little info uh, before you get to the episode. Uh, We got to talking so much for this episode that we ended up having to make two episodes. So you're going to hear the first half of our conversation on this episode. And then uh, next time we drop an episode, uh, you'll hear the second half. Hopefully you enjoy. Hey, talk to me about the production value of this Kodiak Shack podcast right now. Hey, everybody, and welcome back to the Kodiak Shack podcast. Today, we have Rowdy Little and Drago Walters back on the podcast. Uh, we're going to have the bros here. We're going uh, to solve the world's problems today because we used to do this many times uh, back in New Mexico, getting uh, having our scotch nights, which we talked about. We won't get into too much detail. You know, that's a secret bro foreign. Uh, but thank you, everybody, for listening to the podcast and uh, supporting the podcast, reaching out. Uh, so tell your friends, like, share, subscribe. Even though Tron Bloom told me uh, people already know, like, share, subscribe. So why are you telling people? Classic uh, briefing things twice. Uh, but either way, uh, thank you guys for being back and, uh, get yourself a Kodiak Shack hat. Uh, the, anybody out there who has a Kodiak Shack hat, send me pictures. I'll post them on our social media, uh, so we can show people, uh, how much awesome stuff is happening. So, uh, Rowdy Drago, thank you for being here. Rowdy, tell us about yourself. It's not a trap. No, it's a trap. That's always a trap. <laughs> <laughs> so I flew, uh, let's see. Let's go with, uh, went through Navy training, so that was cool, T-34s. Then up to Vance, where I got stuck in purgatory as a T-6 fate, which was awesome. It was actually a good time. Uh, and then Vipers for just about 10 years, and then now back teaching IFF here at Columbus. So basically the wife wanted to come home, so we did. It's, uh, it's been great. There you go. Yep, that's the way to do it. And uh, Drago, uh, you introduced yourself last time, but uh, for those who didn't hear it or want to hear it again, uh, why don't you tell us about yourself? Yeah, uh, Drago Walters. I was uh, also T-34s uh, out of Whitingfield, went to Vance, also did some times in T-38 FAPE there, and then first class of, T- of F-16s through Holloman, straight to Misawa, straight to Wick, and then back to Holloman, where all roads do lead. And then I joined the uh, Air National Guard, and I'm up here at the Buckley Air National Guard in Colorado. Awesome. So uh, so Drago and I, we crossed paths in uh in Misawa at our first assignments, our first CAF assignments, and then uh, back at Holloman. And then Rowdy and I, uh, we all three crossed paths back at Holloman, so we, uh, we hung out there a lot. So what everyone here doesn't know is uh, Drago and Rowdy are some of the best instructor pilots I've ever worked with. Uh, Drago is, uh, is a killer patch, and Rowdy, 
I think is the most decorated IP of the class uh, instructor pilot. So Rowdy, can you kind of explain just, I mean, there's a tenure here too, uh, all the instructor pilots of the class and what that means uh, to receive those. And if you don't do it good, we're, uh, we'll add in. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, Let's see. Well, you got the standard awards, right? So hammer award, uh, you've got the Santa Claus award. So hammer for whoever grades the hardest. Uh, Typically you people don't want to fly with the hammer. Uh, and then you've got the Santa Claus, so you're going to passion no matter what. Then typically there's a, the best IP award uh, they give out from there. Uh, it's usually the one they want to fly with, they learn the most from, and things of that nature. And speaking with uh, <clears throat> one of our buddies back at Holloman, you got, what was it, Fighter Pilot of the Year for AATC. Uh, he asked me, he was like, well, what about you getting all these best IP awards? Like, what's the deal? And I was like, well, I think it's just because I truly care about the students and really try to get in their ear loop and put them in the best state of learning that they can possibly be in. So get them comfortable, make them talk, you know, <clears throat> and it, it seems to have worked well from vape days all the way to now. So, <laughs> yeah. And I, I have to say like the, uh, what you, what you can see and, and not to discredit people who in the military get awards for quarterly awards, annual awards, air force level awards. A lot of that is politicking though. A lot of that is this person's trying to go to the school. They're trying to take command. They're trying to do something. So they get these air force level awards handed to them because they're on some sort of path. And again, that person's doing a ton of hard work, but the guy who's like, Hey, I'm going to the, I'm going to the airlines. I'm going to the guard. That person can work harder than the person who got the annual award. Uh, and turns out they don't get that annual award anymore. Uh, but what is, what is unblemished is the student IP of the class award because that is literally all the students sit down, whether it's IFF, what Rowdy is doing now and where he's still getting IP of the classes or when he was back at Holloman getting IP of the classes. Each class sits down together and says, who was everyone's favorite IP? Uh, and... Over and over again, it was rowdy, whether it was in the Viper or in the 38. So that just shows solid instruction, solid dude. Uh, so good work on that, Rowdy. Appreciate it. Yeah. Drago, what do you, what do you have to say about, uh, about Rowdy winning all those awards? I just, I just love it, man. Rowdy's a great dude. And that's how you, that's how you know. you got to be a good pilot to be able to teach it. But most of, I don't know, you guys heard my spiel before. Most of being a good IP is realizing that you're in the service industry, you know? And make that about the guy across the table. And you can't, honestly, you can't teach somebody that. So Roddy, Roddy's always been able to do it. And he's been, you know, he's been awesome his whole life. But uh, it's it's cool that he's still awesome. Because a lot of us get salty, right? Like, I, I really like getting older and just being salty. And every once in a while, I just want to tell a kid to shut up and make popcorn, you know? But Roddy's still, <laughs> Roddy's still fighting a good fight. And I, uh, I admire that, man. It's awesome, you know, to, to have done that and still be in that, in that headspace from... FC, from being a fate to an F-16 IP for a long time to now an IFF IP the whole time. Like, those are different spaces to be able to do it. And, and those moves, you know, they can change who you are and, like, what you care about. And they just never, like, Brady never changed, man. He just cares about other people and he just does the best he can for them. And that's, that's why he's a great IP. Also, he's a pretty good pilot. Talk that yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. It's, a, it's secondary for sure. Yeah. <laughs> well, and, uh, and one thing that people probably don't realize as you get older in your career, you normally, in most people's cases, you do less flying. You spend more time on your office job. You spend more time being wing XP, which I don't, I don't even know what that job is, but it's right my current now, job. That's, did you oh, hear there you go. Right. <laughs> Drago, 
Drago can uh, can explain. But what happens? Yeah, <laughs> what happens to every fighter pilot is as they get older, they become a major, even a lieutenant colonel. Your job is, you know, it starts ninety ten flying everything else then it goes 80 20 50 50 and then it starts inverting to where your everything else is taking more time than the flying but to rowdy's credit he was wing xp he was a do and somehow he would fly three four five times a week i argue that it's that he was never soft or top three called but that's you right. know that's neither here nor there yeah, you can pull but, those stats though but you pull those stats that's right yeah, yeah. flying yeah. the wings off of those jets uh but he's there for the students so i was always impressed that rowdy could never let the ground game get in the way of the flying job and uh, i it sounds like it's not at iff either no so i i set out at the start of my career i was like i want to fly and that's my job and I have had a few people at those various positions that you just talked about. They're like, Rowdy, we haven't seen you like all week. And I just point to my chest. I'm like, you see these? You see these wings? Like, this is my job. This is a secondary duty that I'm doing. <laughs> you know, whether it's DO, XP, whatever it was. I was like, I am here to fly jets. And I was able to finagle that here as well. Because uh, I know showing up as an 11F, you know, 05 to a pilot training base, like, I've got to find some corner to hide in. And you can't really do that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So I was able to find it, uh, though, with the fighter-bomber fundamentals stuff, because once again, it's syllabus development. Like, it's not like a near-term fire. It's things that I could always, I was able to be like, I, essentially, that's the first time I've ever, I guess you could say, interviewed for a job, because I, I heard about that was kind of coming on board. You know, this Task Force 14 type thing going on. <clears throat> and I was like, that sounds a lot like what we did in the training squadron, as far as maybe one or two meetings a month. Other than that, I could fly as much as I want and then just work around it, which I've done my whole career. And so I went to Air Jones, uh, uh, IFF squadron commander, basically within a month of me getting to IFF. And I was like, I want this job. Here's my pedigree, you know, F-16 bet down at Holloman, all this other stuff, buildings, all the syllabuses that we did in syllabi uh, there in the training squadron. I was like, this is, this is it. And uh, so, yeah, it's continued. And now, actually... I've so obviously the T38 much shorter flight time. The fights are obviously a lot more simple, so fly debrief all that stuff is shorter. So we I, I double turned three days last week and was scheduled for my eighth flight of the week on Friday, and then maintenance broke and right, so we didn't have enough jets. Uh, so I did not fly that eighth sortie. So I have continued the flying and I've. Let's see, we've got four more years to get to 20, and I think I can hopefully hide in this position until till I exit the scene, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's impressive. I mean, that's like Masala status, like uh, hot pitting uh, four days a week type thing. But, yeah, I mean, especially at IFF, I felt like that was the, you know, T-38s guys are double, tripping, tr triple turning because the brief debrief was like almost non-existent. But IFF, you actually have instructional briefs, you two tactics, you have an instructional debrief about the tactics. Uh, so the fact that you're be able to do both of those or like do all of that and fly a second sortie is uh, respectable. The uh, how's, how's everybody's fitness going out there? Oh, it's good. That's good. So pound yeah. for pound. <laughs> those macros are tight, Rowdy. Yeah. They are. So, get those yeah, macros tight. Well, I'd say go, go Vader. What were you we saying? Oh, well, I was going to say, so right here, so Drago, we talked to Drago about kind of working out in the human performance side of flying jets. Uh, so Drago and Rowdy are both uh, extremely strong dudes. Uh, I, I think 
Rowdy may be pound for pound the strongest uh, like fighter pilot I know because uh, he's he's rocking like what 100, 169 pounds something like that. Oh, I'm dripping wet, dude, with, with a wool <laughs> sweater on. <laughs> well, I was gonna say I I, I do have the data bot pod data to kind of show something pretty cool. Like back in 2020, you know, like when I did, I, I was down 154 pounds and seven percent body fat. But I was too small, so I was like, oh, since then, so the past three years, I've been trying to build muscle, and from my fat-free muscle mass back then to my fat-free muscle mass now, or really body mass, you could say that, uh, it's gone up over 10 pounds in three years, which I would say isn't bad for someone of my age. Yeah, so, and first guy and, ever, yeah, yeah first guy ever to do a clean bulk. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that did yeah. not happen. I got to 184, 185 this past uh, March. And I was like, I went too far. <laughs> yeah. Well, and Rowdy, what would you say? So I, I know not to, not to talk about your, you know, injuries and stuff, but flying jets beats you up, you know, beat up your back, your neck, all that. How, how has your fitness kind of helped, you know, keep you ready to fight and, and keep fighting? Yeah, I, I think it's a huge portion of what we do in this whole, uh, OHWS, it sounds so much better than CRAFT, right? So AETC, it's CRAFT. I don't even know what it stands for, uh, but it's Optimization of the Human Weapon System per ACC, right? And getting the strength coaches, physical therapy guys in there at the start for these guys that are you know, starting their career is awesome. And if we had had that back in the day, I think it would have helped a lot. I mean, the first time I got in a uh, F-15, actually, to get a, a flight, you know, they handed me a G-suit, and they say, wherever the bladder fills up, just push back with your muscles. That was the training, right? <laughs> and, uh, and then uh, pretty much they talked to you about the ATSO and once you get into pilot training and all that stuff. But nothing really about like stretching before the flight, stretching in EOR, you know, all these things that I do now. And I tell the dudes in IFF, because we'll get to the T-38 and how it's terrible. I don't know how to say that. We'll say this. It is a, it is past its prime. Let's say that. And uh, it's, it's not easy to fly that airplane, much less fight in it. And especially like for visibility purposes, you know, looking backwards for defensive BFM and all that stuff. So I even tell the students, like, I, I'm like, dude, take your time in EOR. Like, literally stretch. I want you to look and see if you can see the, other, the opposite side of the rudder and then do it on both sides, playing football, right? Stretch out your neck, get all that stuff done in the UR, I know flight is gonna be mad at you because you haven't turned your light on yet, so you're not ready to go. I was like, don't worry about that. Like literally make sure your body's good. Then right before the GX, do the same thing and you'd be surprised at how much better it goes. So like just being fit in general, back to your initial point, I think definitely helps significantly. And something that I found after I did hurt my back was the diet side of the house, which is, and it makes total sense, right? You, you are what you eat <laughs> and, and all that. But I never really looked at it from macros or really just like what I was actually eating. I was just like, eat meat, I'll be good. And uh, so that portion is cool. So we have dietitians here at uh, Columbus that work with the students, so that's pretty cool. And I think it's great that the Air Force is finally taking that type of an approach. Because it is the key to longevity and just to actually being able to do it. Yeah, and to, to everybody out there, I was talking to a uh, flight physiologist at Luke and she was like, if you don't stretch and warm up and then you go to do BFM, you're effectively like stepping up to do a one rep max with no warm up. You're just like, all right, let's see how this works. Uh, so even some 
amount of stretching and warm up is going to get you ready. Uh, Drago, how's the uh, Block 30 uh, treating you in the old BFM department? I've done it in a while, man. I've, uh, oh. <laughs> I just got back and get my ATP, so I'll tell you. I'm cat <laughs> You know, I'll be, I'll be all right. I'm, dude, it's, it's fun. The, uh, the, it's, it's clean Viper BFM. When we go to a fight in block 30s, we clean them off. So we got nothing on us. You're nine G's and they'll give you nine G's. And it, dude, I, like you've heard me talk about the block 30. I think it's the best one. Um, nobody talks about that, but I think you can kill anything in a block 30. Um, and it, it'll hurt you, but you just, I don't know, man. You just, you know, drink IPAs and do squats and you'll be all right. Like, yeah. I'm not, I'm not, I'm not crazy scientific about it, but I, you know, my, I'm not going to write a book on my, my G prep program, but that, that, that works for me, you know? Yeah. Hey, well, it's, not, it's nice to hear Patch actually say that the block 30 is the best. Cause block 30, I've always said it, but I'm not a patch. Yeah. So. Yeah. <laughs> Dude, it just, it's, it's nice, man. Like you, you take the clean block 30 out there and you just feel like, you feel like the angel of death, man, but it'll, it'll hurt you. It'll, if you go and like, the stuff that you can get away with, like certainly in a block 42, like we had a hollow man, it's a Prius, you know, but even like in a block 40, you can maybe get away with like being a little bit dehydrated or you, you gotta like, you gotta prep, you know, you do, you gotta do the stretching thing. If you want the longevity out of it, you have to be honest about the G's that day in the block 30, like it'll put you to sleep, you know, and in the block 30s in the guard don't have AG cast. So like, that's all you got. You get one, you get one shot at it, you know? Uh, but I do, I, I'm not as a, you, you better, you know, I'm not as, Big of mobility and dietitian as you guys are. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just doing my best. Yeah. Well, see, see, Drago is just like sheer force of will for most things he achieves in his life. Like he'll just, he'll pick it up because he will pick it up. That's right, man. You just flex his G-suit, just yell through your G-staring, man, you know? Yeah. Pull his in the hood and shoot him to his dead. Like, what are we doing? Yeah. Yeah. That's right. The, uh, well, and to give some to, some context for everybody listening, so the F-16s that the U.S. owns, so some of our oldest jets are the Block 30s. So um, they revamped the F-16 when they went to the Block 40s and Block 50s and 52s. Um, and then the 30 to the 40 and 50 type have uh, structural differences, is my understanding. So the gear is slightly different. The weight of the aircraft is slightly different. The operating system is different. Uh, but when you're talking BFM, the flight controls are also different. So think analog versus digital between 30 and 40 and 50. Uh, and then you get into the 40s and 50s, and then they have different motors between 40, 42, 50, 52. So the Block 30 is the lightest. And if you have the big mouth Block 30, it has the same motor as the 40, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, but it's a lighter jet with an analog flickus. Uh, so what it means is uh, you can you can rip around a little bit more aggressively uh, than the 40 or the 50 will allow, even though the 50 has more thrust, but it also has more weight to drag around. Uh, so that's what... It's impressive. I mean, hearing stories about, you know, the, uh, the block thirties and, uh, I, my squadron went out to Tyndall for a checker flag and they fought, they fought block, uh, fifties, um, in BFM, but the block thirties were too, were bagged up. So they didn't get a really BFM with them. Uh, but they said the, the block fifties were, were, uh, doing all right, you know, holding their own. So yeah. it's good. It's good to see the, a, the Viper. That's a way to say that. Yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm sure. Yeah, no, they uh, the 55th apparently they were they were handling their business, which was good in really? uh, in long range air to air and in uh, and in within visual range maneuvering. So I think they got some was, leases on those uh, jets now, man. 
on his attitude with Jets. So good for them. Yeah, yeah, and I think uh, I think they're probably doing like combined ops like back in the day. The C model where it's probably like yeah. a couple ESAs and a couple uh, Mexican radars in there. The uh, Drago Rowdy, Rowdy sent to our group chat before this. I know you know there's there's probably rules on what you're supposed to and not supposed to talk about on like prior to the episode that everybody gets to hear. But uh, Rowdy sent a picture of a bird strike in a T38 the other day. So uh, Drago, you ever had of a bird strike in any of the jets you've flown? This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. So he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done. Yeah, there was a terrible story when I was, uh, well, you know, when we were bird lawnmowers in, uh, in Malaysia, we all had bird strikes, and we just didn't know until we landed. Right, we were the yeah. bash program. Just they let the let the U.S. guys take off first. But I yeah. hit I hit a bird on a I hit a bird on a low level, um, in a T thirty eight. Like it's very similar to the to the one that like went through the um, canopy. You know, oh, it yeah. wasn't like it wasn't like pterodactyl big, but it was a pretty big bird, and then we had to we had to climb, and it was like tough to see outside of the top of it. Um, and then we just came back and, and landed. And I, I was in the back seat, so it was my visibility was better from the back seat because the kid up front was like. He, he wasn't freaking out. He was just like, hey, man, we hit a giant bird. And I was like, yeah, dude, I can't tell. <laughs> I can't see anything. And then I hit a couple in Randolph. I hit a couple on takeoff, like a flock of them, like four little sparrows or whatever. But the uh, Rowdy, what about uh, what about you? You uh, you didn't hit that bird, right? That was somebody else spearing yeah, that? That was somebody in the 50th to the graduate pilot training, as they call it these days, if you all didn't know, T-38. Oh. Uh, yeah, because they already have wings, right? Get their wings out of T-6 now. But yeah, I've hit uh, quite a few birds. Uh, probably the two most fun ones were at Fort Worth, both coming back into the pattern. Uh, this one, I, I was number two both days. And this time we're at the VFR entry point, and I'm looking over at flight lead to make sure I'm in position for tactical and do tact initial. We're not quite there yet, VFR entry point, and I look forward and I see this massive like crane or something, and it just nails the radome, like on the front left side. So much so that, you know, like in the, in the Viper, we're reclined, right? So our legs are kind of out in front of us. My left leg actually came up to my chest. Like, boom, like this. Like, I heard it. I felt it. I immediately get an air data computer light. So ADC light, the combined air data computer, AC ADC light. I get a flickus light. Like, everything's freaking out. It's from the flight control system because I literally, like, broke the AOA gate, you know, AOA probe on the left side. So I told flight, I was like, dude, I'm going to a five mile straight and I'm landing this sucker. So I just land, we taxi back in, you know, I shut down. Lo and behold, that crane had actually gone down the intake. So there's this nice, long, just blood stain, you know, circular kind of motion going into the engine itself. You go around to the nozzle on the back and you look at the burner can, right? Nothing but feathers. So it just speaks like, yeah, like I don't even know if, I would assume burner would have worked, but no cough from that. The GE 100 just just ate that bird, spit it out, and I was worried about the flight control, you know, stuff. The engine, not even a cough. It was awesome. And then uh, another one coming up, Tacknish. We'd actually made the turn, and I look forward and I see this big like black bird just go. Like I see the whites of his eyes as he's like trying to dive to get out of the way. I throw my hand up in front like this, and I, I roll the sticks. So I kind of roll up to about 90 degrees angle back. Bam! I take it on station one, and I roll back out and I look over there and I just see this big wing and just going ah, 
just <laughs> hanging out, like stuck between the whirl and the and the uh, the wing. And I was like, "Hey, one, I hit a bird." And he's like, "You okay?" I was like, "Yeah, I'm gonna land." So <laughs> landed from that, but that, that one was pretty funny. Yeah, see, your Viz lookout is solid. I uh, I had no idea I hit a bird. The uh, <laughs> The, uh, well, and the, uh, the only time that I can think of having hit a bird, uh, was in Malaysia and they weren't messing around. The crazy thing was we took off and landed in a torrential downpour. I mean, like it was like we were in some sort of hurricane or typhoon and we taxi out and take off with no visibility because it's active duty and that's just what you do. We come back and land and, uh, slick who was the safety officer in the squadron was like, Hey, like walks in the debrief. Hey, you hit a bird. And I was like, when, like how, like was a bird flying in like 40 mile an hour gusts in like hard rain, but sure enough, apparently hit a bird. So, <laughs> oh man. But yeah, luckily we have good motors and they just, uh, just keep on plugging along, you know? Yeah. How's yeah, the, you heard uh, about the ejection? You heard about the ejection we had here, right? Like back in was December, no. so they're going to the sea, they're going to sea ray. They're going to the, our range. And uh, they're down about 3,000, they might have been 3,500 feet, we'll say. And push it up. They they basically took birds down both engines and was trying to figure it out for a while. And it hit the canopy, right? So it actually cracked the canopy. So he, the dude can't see. uh, It's a funny thing, he flies for Delta. He's one of our reservists. This is his first flight back in like a month, (laughs) right? So he's like trying to start the engines and he's just slowly descending. And couldn't get it, so he just eventually was like, hey, two, I'm punching out. And so he pulled it and pulled it down into the trees. And, uh, yeah, the, the T-38 engines, right, so they're turbojets, right, and they're tiny. So, like, yeah. any small little bird goes down that thing, they're like, we're done. You're like, they just don't work. It's not like the G-100 or any of the ones we had in the Viper. It's a little more scary. <laughs> yeah. No, it's uh... – that, I always appreciate the Viper motor. Well, and the, the C-Model motor. Even though the 220 is the C-Model motor, which was my least appreciated Viper motor, turns out when you have two of them, the thrust works out a little bit better. But, man, that Block 42 at altitude, or at least at a higher elevation takeoff, was uh, was sporty sometimes on those hot days. Yeah. How's the, uh, how's the state of the student right now, guys? Well... In IFF, I would say it's good. Like we, like it's, so that we kind of said, so taught at the T6 level, came in IP in the Viper and taught the CAF at Kunsan and then taught a B course at Holland for three and a half years. And so IFF is really the only thing I haven't taught, you know? And uh, it's, it's interesting because of the dynamics that kind of has been IFF and then like kind of what I'm trying to make it. But as far as the, it's a screening program, and some people can take that to an extreme, which usually means the students can sometimes, like they don't, they're not listening, right? They're like, I want to keep my nugget down. I want to pass this ride and get on to the next airplane, yeah. right? Uh, so I've tried to open that up a little bit and try to let them have a little bit more fun uh, in IFF and most of the IPs there. We have a great IP cadre at the 49th is, is awesome. So it's, that is really good IP cadre. <laughs> But all the students, I, it, what I was trying to get to is like the, we're the, the first time they've ever tried to use an airplane as a weapon, right, is IFF. So they've come from UPT where they're takeoff and land, flight instrument approach, TP, a stall is bad, right? 
Uh, and then they come to us and we're like, I need you to perform a jink, which is an accelerated stall to get out of the way of bullets or you're gonna die. And then I need you to rate at your max rate. So I need you to be within half a G of your over G potential. You live in the single rate beeper in IFF or you're stalling the jet. You are max performing this thing because it is now a weapon. So their eyes are, right? Because <laughs> they're like, we're, we're doing all this stuff. They told us not to do a pilot train. It's like, yeah, well, do you want to live and do you want to kill somebody? Well, this is how it works. So it's, <laughs> it's definitely an interesting environment to, to teach in. And uh, I, think it's, I think it's good. I think they really do want to learn, at least what I see. That's good. Drago, how are you seeing, uh, you know, the absorption over at uh, Buckley? They're fine. We get TFI kids and, and they're, we're so well resourced to give them extra flights and blue looks because that's all they need to get with all the experience we have in the guard that they would have to be real bad for us to notice that. And I think that they can be, <clears throat> you can get a guy who like on paper looks like he's below average. And as long as his attitude is right and he is prepared and he is willing to learn, you can teach him just about anything by, by him being here. But I think that's very specific to the resources we have in the guard. Now, like the jets will hurt, right? But they, we got sims here too, so they can hop in a sim whenever they want and they can, they can get whatever training they want. I think that we'll always have guys that progress slower than they do on active duty just because the pace of life in the guard is just not what it is. And the active duty guys that went guard will have that context and nobody else wears it, so it won't, it won't matter. We'll still give them the quals at the same time. We'll still, you know, they'll still progress. You're cutting out again, Drago. I'm yeah, sorry. Kinda, God, it seems like your it seems like your mic just kind of like mutes out a little bit after a while. Is this helping at all? Yeah, that no, sounds good. Deed. Oh, look at that. Yeah. All right. So I think that, so I think as long as they're as long as they're good, like attitude wise, we can do pretty much anything with them, man. You know? Yeah. No, I dig it. And I think how's the because uh, IFF is kind of where. Well, what do you guys think? Do you guys think IFF is where you kind of instill that? in them into being prepared to enter the fighter world? Well, it, it kind of has to be because the fact that there are no fighter pilots in T-38s anymore. Yeah. Now, that, that's changing over the past year, you know, so we've gotten at least, I think we've got five or six in the 50th now that are 11 F guys, most of them are single assignment dudes. Uh, and they're helping change that. And that's, it's not a dig on non-fighter pilots. It's just, you're not a fighter pilot, therefore, how are you going to instill a fighter pilot ethos into students if you never did that, right? So it's, it's not, I'm not trying to poo-poo on those guys. It's just, if you didn't know, I didn't really know this, but in IFF, so like when we finish our upgrade, like we keep our 11F. Like we are still 11Fs teaching in IFF uh, as an AFSC, Air Force something code. Out no one knows. Close code. enough. Yeah. But uh, anyway, so we're in 11F, but in the 50th, after they could go through pit, so pilot instructor training down at Randolph, they are 11Ks. So they don't even retain, I mean, obviously their core AFSC stayed the same, but they are not even, they don't have their 11F, which is why you can send anybody back there as long as they've been through T-38 training. Uh, so yes, I would say IFF is the first time they see it, mainly due to the fact that they don't see, they've never seen a fighter pilot before IFF, you know? Uh, which which they're trying to change, so we'll see. Yeah, well, Drago, that's how I felt it was when I went through IFF. Was that was like, hey, this is where we teach you to be a fighter pilot. Like, Drago, do you have that same experience? Kind of obviously being a fape and then and then going through IFF after. 
I, I think so, but I think there was goodness in being exposed to the type of you know feedback and the type of expectation and the type of messaging you get from like a fighter pilot type dude. You know, there's like bookends to it, but but guys, it's just a different it's a different way of like treating people and learning. And some of it's good, and some of it's a little bit more uh, aggressive than other communities, and that just is what it is. Um, so I, I thought there was a lot of goodness in the fact that there was a lot of 11Fs in the UPT halls when I was there because they, you know, they, they like nobody, almost nobody, wore that too hard when they were flying T-38s and just teaching you how to land. But it was nice to be exposed to those guys, to get those stories, to have them teach you how to, like, prepare and learn and accept information and how to how to wear your humility, but, like, not not have it like bleed over to the flight where you felt like you were, you know, subservient to a guy. You were still doing the best you could. You just like didn't come back and you weren't, you know, you weren't like arrogant about it. And that was, that's like, that's good to learn before you get to IFF. So you know, like what the expectation is on how to be. And the first time you get a fighter pilot debrief it is less emotional, you know, because uh, that'll, <laughs> that'll separate some dudes, man. Um, so, but I did feel like they turned it on at IFF. But I also felt – it was different for me because I've been exposed to those guys for a long time. Um, but I, I think there's – I think it certainly would be much more jarring to go through UPT with no fighter presence and then show up at IFF. Uh, but it's recoverable, you know, as long as as long as long the dudes like Rowdy understand that that's the – that's what's happening. And they, you know, and they meter their expectations appropriately. Well, and I think I – oh, I I had a good experience in IFF where – it was, it was exactly that. They set that tone and that standard for the expectation and that it was going to be, you were going to meet it or you were going to see it again. And that's okay. And there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. Yeah. It's the, it's the fact that it's okay to fail, man. Like that, I, I feel like failure is a lot more prevalent in the fighter community and it's not socially taboo, man. Like it's, it's a very difficult job and it's, it's both right and correct that if you don't like meet the benchmark that like you're not good enough and then you fail. And it becomes less emotional and more about professionalism. Like, you shouldn't want to pass if you're not good enough to do the thing. So let's see that again. And as soon as you can get, like, you can get the person receiving the instruction to understand that, like, that, that's what it has to be. You have to be okay with failure. And that, honestly, we talked about it, but that's what makes you an honest broker about whether or not you can do something. You know? And that, that's service-wide, certainly, right? But you see, like, when you work with other people, even at, like, the operations center, Rowdy, and they just, like, are not used to not being able to do something. They say yes to everything. Can you do this? Like, yes. And they, and they overpromise what they can do. And when you're used to going into a, going into a, you know, whatever missionized scenario you have, and it's just getting rolled and being like, well, we can't do that. You know, yeah. that, that makes you, like, later on, that makes you, when you're in charge of something else that maybe doesn't even pertain to flying, really comfortable when somebody's like, hey, can you do this thing? And you just look at it. And, you know, you just just quantifiably, you're like, no, we don't have enough slits. And you just say it. You're like, hey, we can't do this thing. And I think that, that people appreciate that a lot more. I don't say you you don't necessarily learn that as a fighter pilot, but you certainly, like, as a fighter pilot only, like, other people learn that too, but you certainly are reminded that much more frequently uh, in the fighter industry. Yeah, fighter pilot is an attitude, mindset, and if they have the right mindset, we can get them through and being okay with failure is like you have to be because you're gonna fail a lot and then being honest about what you can do yeah. is another big part because it's gonna show as soon as you get out there and fight and then also just the single seat mentality right of like speak up say something don't keep a secret right because i don't know what's going on in your jet because we're in different airplanes and that's awesome 
you know, so you have to tell me certain things, right? So I think all that can come from a good attitude. And if they are exposed to it earlier, which is the current goal, right? It's, it sucks for the dudes. I hate hate the fact that they have one assignment now, you know, in the, in the cap. Now they're teaching thirty eights again, but it, it's a necessary evil. Like it's a bill that I think we have to pay uh, if we want good fighter pilots, like at least the discipline starting early, you know, which we kind of been missing over the past, you know, six to nine years, you know, based on the fact that there are no fighter pilots there. And they are just, it's a shock when they started IFF. And like, what is this? You know? And I don't want to oversell that because I don't think fighter pilots are the only ones that are capable of instilling that discipline. And I think there's a lot of people that are not fighter called at UPT right now doing like really good work. But what you can do is you can provide the right context for it. Right, you have credibility when you provide that context because of your life experience, and that's a, that's really hard for other people to do. Even though they can be like really good IPs, just they know, and if they wear it appropriately, like they know that they can't speak to some things, and you need guys that can speak to those things based on life experience. You know, did you guys hear any of that, or is that an Android phone situation? We lost half of you there, and it looks like we just no. lost our host. No, dude, it's got it's this app. My phone is nailing it. It's this app. Is it? <laughs> it's Riverside thing is BS. Just, what's it up, baby? Right now. Hey, he's back. Dave was like, "Hey, no internet connection." Hey, he's talk like, to me about the production right. value of this Kodiak Shack podcast right now. We never- is, <laughs> it, it depends on how much spare time I have, but uh, yeah, we get we'll we'll fix a lot of this in post. That's oh, good. What, that's what we're gonna All do. Right. Good man. I'm sorry. I'm just gonna hold my phone for an hour. So, what's <laughs> dude? Your your mic is like it's just giving up. Can you hear me? <laughs> we can hear you. It's like it catches like your first sentence or two, and then your mic is just like, whew, I'm getting pretty tired. On all but, of it, yeah. I'm talking too much. I'll keep it monosyllabic, man. That's my bad. No, nah, it's but not it's, even that. It's Yeah, it's, it's always like Android, the longer man. you talk, the the more it just starts to peter off. <laughs> I'm, not, yeah. I'm not getting a new phone, so this is what you get. Yeah. This will be, <laughs> be my last time on the Kodiak Shack podcast. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's great. But the uh, but yeah well and one of the things that I think um, in that that what we haven't done and like Rowdy was saying before I uh, so rudely got kicked out by my own internet was uh, was that we haven't at the 11F community has not been like footing the bill for the UPT production like instructors we have kicked all of that to AMC because AMC had a bunch of extra people so AMC sent them to UPT and T38 and we were happy to let them go like, cool, fill those spots. Um, but yeah, I, I agree. Like having people in T38, even maybe even T6 is depending on if it makes sense for them to instill some of that, or just kind of be able to share that story. Cause there wasn't, I didn't even meet a fighter pilot in pilot training until I guess one guard guy, um, was a an A4 pilot, so an attack pilot. Um, but, yeah, he he was, like, the guy I could talk to. Everybody else was, you know, heavy pilot or FAPE. Uh, so I think there's there's goodness in the fact that they can have those experiences in T6s, hopefully move on to 38s, and have, any, have even more of that. So, yeah. uh, so oh, what's, uh, what were you going to say, uh, Drago? No, we lost Rowdy. We're, we're good. Yeah, his uh, – now – yeah, Rowdy, you're uh, uh, 
Yeah, we just can't see you. But apparently, this feels just like recording. Scotch Night. This is good. This is yeah. exactly. This is <laughs> this is why we never got to the point of solving the problems. We yeah. we were always very ready to. You don't know if we did or not, man. That's true. Yeah, that's because it's impossible. I don't remember. Yeah. Hey, so can, can y'all see me now, or can you just hear me? Yeah. No, I got you now. Yeah. Okay. It it should all be recording. Riverside will will dope it all out, or it won't, and then then I just <laughs> let it ride. But yeah. Don't worry. The co- the Kodiak Shack uh, podcast OG listeners know that this is par for the course. All right, they cool. know that yeah. we're yeah we're not we're, like live streaming uh, this dude right like we'll be all right. No, yeah, yeah. and we're we'll and they know I'm not professional enough to do this any better anyway. So they're <laughs> the uh, but so recently the Air Force somehow for a ten day period of time had no money. Do you guys know how that happened? When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Save big on your Memorial Day barbecue, all in the Kroger app. Get half gallons of delicious Kroger milk for $1.29 each. Then get flavorful Tyson Natural Boneless Chicken Breasts for $2.49 a pound, all with your card and a digital coupon. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today, or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.